I am Dracula. Listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. Welcome to Against All Oddities, the podcast about three brothers coming to terms with the oddly true and the truthfully odd. Today's episode focuses on a very classic oddity, Dracula himself. In this episode, we dig into a little bit of the history and lore surrounding the icon of Dracula, but honestly, we really just geek out about Francis Ford Coppola's 1992 cinematic masterpiece, Bram Stoker's Dracula. If you haven't seen the movie yet, then literally pause this episode, this very second, watch the movie, and then come back here and sink your fangs into this classic episode of Against All Oddities. I just think it's kind of funny that that the, there's really two nightmares in my life that stand out that I can actually remember because I'm not very good at remembering dreams. And the first one, the three of us were in Budapest, Hungary. Budapest. At Would the you have lake. a dream or you were dreaming you were in, we were I, No, we were. This is not the dream. We were actually there. I was 17 years old. Yes. And I was reading Salem's Lot. And I know that's not Dracula, but it's vampires. And we were in that little like lake house. Remember, like Chris was sleeping oh, yeah. on the couch, and I was sleeping on a floor. And Nate was sleeping probably on a floor somewhere too. How did I get the couch? And that's you were more tired than everybody. Me and Nate were probably drinking beer and smoking cigarettes outside, and you fell asleep that's on true. the couch. And so yeah, I but that in... that was like a cinder block, little tiny thing, right? It wasn't a big lake house. No. I don't. I remember the house, but I don't remember sleeping. I kind of don't remember sleeping either. I remember going to a fancy restaurant though, and like yeah, with with no electricity, and yeah, we awesome. ate and drank. They made uh, a, like a Pinot Noir type red and drank it out of a clay carafes, and then looked at glowworms on the walk back. Yeah, the glowworms, man. That that favorite that was memory awesome. of of Hungary, absolutely. Yeah. That, that's uh, that's uh, one of my favorites too, because we were under. Um, this little shelter thing that was completely open in the middle of a, a vineyard. That was that was gorgeous. And we're with uh, Yozy. Yeah. And he he just it was very um, existential moment of just having this amazing food and wine and being this foreign country in one of the the most picturesque spots and seeing these glowworms on the way back. Yeah, that was pretty magic. Yeah, and not it, and it wasn't a tourist trap. No, oh, oh, there were no other tourists. We were the only yeah. tourists, and we were with somebody that lived there. It was, it was really, yeah, we were very fortunate to have that experience. And I think that's a great, 
um, memory just, and I, I'm not sure I would read Salem's Lot in Hungary, because uh, <laughs> in Romania made up Transylvania, right? Like that's the area is more Romania, maybe, but bordering Hungary. Yeah, they started vampires, yeah. which is where I'm get, I get, like, we go back to this little shack of a lake house, and uh, Chris is asleep. I don't know what you're doing, Nate. Maybe you're reading a book or whatever, but I was reading Salem's Lot, and I hadn't realized I'd fallen asleep. And oh. there was a vampire up at the window banging, asking if he could come in. Dude, that's awesome. And I was petrified because I remember looking up at the window because I didn't realize I'd fall asleep. So I was still in the room. I was looking at the window in the room and there's this pale guy like and then I didn't invite you him in. But sure he opened the dream? window. <laughs> that was not a dream to that him. Totally that was not happened. a dream. Especially if we're in the middle of nowhere. Without electricity. In Budapest, Hungary. <laughs> well, not that we were at Lake Balaton in the middle of nowhere. Like, that's prime vampire country. Yeah, okay. So, and I also, I really don't um, remember dreams that well, and I remember this vividly, so maybe it wasn't a dream. But I i am certain uh, you thought it was a dream. Because <laughs> this vampire was this guy who was banging on the window trying to get me to invite him in. And I was like, I couldn't talk. I was shaking my head. No, no, no. But he started to open the window and come in anyway. And I was like, that's not supposed to happen. And I like, <gasps> like started awake. <laughs> but I just, one thing I did not look up, but I'm only remembering just now talking to you guys, is um, one of us might need to look it up. Do you remember... The monster popsicles. Yeah, There's yeah. Werewolf, popsicles. Frankenstein, Dracula. Yeah, oh, yeah. I have not thought about monster pops. Me neither. <laughs> I forgot oh, about God. it till just now. I can oh, smell the grape oh, flavor. I, I just tasted it. the grape flavor. Or Frankenstein <laughs> was orange. I think it's just straight like Kool Aid. Yeah, they were like, shaped like, like a monster. Yeah, like juice. no. I re I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. The monster pops. That's so good. I, we're going to have to look up when those came out because I feel like it was around the same. I imagine it was like late 80s. Oh, I'm looking at them. Oh, my God. I remember these. <gasps> <laughs> the memories. The skull. Whoa, whoa. The black, black box. Oh, until I did not. I couldn't really put my finger around what they were until illustration oh yeah man. uh alicia is also nodding in agreement that she has the same sort of visceral memory of the fun shapes monster uh, pops she... so those are relevant just clarify uh to reiterate that our theme today is dracula dracula was <laughs> the main character in monster squad and was a featured monster pop Dracula was not in Lost Boys, so I did not write down Lost Boys as a Dracula movie because he's not in it. There is a head vampire, but it's not specifically Dracula. Well, there's there's similarities there. My first, I had the same thing, Tim, but this is super young because it was still in Eagle Rock. They, there was some on TV or something, and I don't know if mom and dad were watching it or whatever, but it was the old first OG Dracula, like the 30s Dracula or something, yeah. or 50s Dracula. 1930s. But it wasn't scary enough that, you know, six-year-old me was still allowed to run around, but I watched it, and I was mm -hmm. so horrified for like three <laughs> nights I would sleep with the sheets tucked up around my neck to protect me from the vampires. Yeah, so my, my terror 
was Monster Squad. Nate's Terror was the 1931 film of Dracula. Chris, where? What's your initial Dracula? Well, exposure? when I was, how old when you watched that, Nate? Six. Yeah. Okay, so when I was about that age, I would say seven or eight. Dad let me watch The Shining. <laughs> Whoa! But he Whoa, said, Dad. It, he said <laughs> it was fine to watch as long as he fast forwarded through the nudity scene because he goes into the room and right when something scary happens he like stands up blocks my eyes fast forwards i was like what happened <laughs> and so my little imagination had to fill the, the void there <laughs> that's probably why you're so much more like i mean i was maybe i might have been closer to him and now we'll take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. If you have a ghost, the only way to defeat that is with heart, faith, and steel. In the end, there can be only one paranormal insurance company. Dolphew.com Yes, indeed. The trick is to try your Connery accent for 30 okay. minutes without breaking when shining a contract on your house at clothing at closing yeah. and they'll laugh and they'll think it's funny at first and then they are irritated and then later they get angry at you but you can never stop you must keep going not everything in that room reacts well to humor <laughs> <laughs> nice so anyway, uh, so Bram Bram Stoker, I don't think created the aristocratic vampire. Okay. He, uh, uh, there's this book called The Vampire that came out in 1860, and I think that was the first novel that transitioned from vampires as like a monster or an animal or a cryptid to this aristocratic human successful character that can lure people, and then he sort of took that and ran with it, and then created uh, dracula from a bunch of transylvania superstition and yeah. he borrowed a Romania. lot from yeah Ro uh romanian superstition or whatever and then there's that book the book of werewolf by sabine boring gula or whatever that came out forever ago um i say it came out forever ago it was probably like 150 years old or something crazy so he was he was the first to sort of making this amalgamation of all this lore into one like super vampire. Yeah. And he he created the Dracula, which is best defined by all the all the movies. The the vampire movies, I guess initially Nosferatu, nineteen twenty two, and then he uh the he had died and um Bram Stoker's wife sued the German film company that uh, made Nosferatu, and they went bankrupt from it. They had to close. Well, you know why she sued is because uh, Bram Stoker died poor. He didn't. That it was not a popular book. I mean, it had some notoriety, but he died begging for money, um, and his wife had to like fight for this stuff later because she probably didn't have much money. Yeah, that was very. Van Gogh esque of yeah. <laughs> somewhere, but I guess she she won the that that she got money from that company. Yeah, that probably. Okay. And then created the stage play that starred uh, starred uh, Bella Lugosi. 
uh-huh. and he he just crushed it. He yeah. he defined who uh, Dracula was, and it was so wildly popular that they made the the movie out of it in 1931. And so when you see Dracula and you picture Dracula in the cartoon like Hotel Transylvania and the uh, Monster Squad Dracula and the one that you see that turned into popsicles that we ate as kids. That old gay from that dude, uh, Bella Lugosi or whatever. Yeah. That was his his look, his image of it. So uh, Bram, Bram Stoker having created the, the, the image that survived the longest as who Dracula is and what a vampire is. He's, the other, other films of notoriety, I don't know what to call them. Uh, I guess Dracula, Dead and Loving It. 1995 by Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. Oh, so good. It's uh, not though. Like so it. I really I love Leslie what? Nielsen, and I love his humor. And I watched the trailer to Dead and Loving It, and it's so bad. It is so bad. Like it's just even the the, the highlights, the best of it in the trailer. I'm like, oh gosh. And then before I, that, I guess there's like the the Satanic rites of Dracula. And that one's notable. That was 1973 because Christopher Lee was Dracula. And Christopher Lee's a badass that later went to play Saruman in the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. And he also voiced all this fantasy lore prior to the the start of Rhapsody of Fire songs, the fantasy metal band. Mm. I also wrote down Blackula, 1972. Yeah. There's a couple sequels from that one. And uh, Blade Trinity, of course. Yeah. yeah. That was 2004. Because Dracula was in the Blade Trinity series. Yeah, he was. was, he was he? In, was he? I yeah. thought that was some ancient vampire. No, well, it was Dracula. Yeah, that's the spin. And then uh, the Hotel Transylvania cartoons, they're actually worth a chuckle. Uh, Jack watches them. They're pretty good. And then one I wrote down, an honorable mention for being terrible, but a Dracula movie. Dracula 3000, which yeah. takes place in space and stars Coolio. Wait, wasn't that Dracula 2000? It was totally 3000. You're a thousand off, buddy. But did it come out around the year of 2000? I feel like there's a Dracula 2000 because it was horrible. If it came out around and I saw 2000, it in the but theater. It, was, it was about the future, so it would have been the 3000. You can't come out with a movie about the present in space. Yeah. Fan. There it is, Dracula. Uh, there's a Dracula 2002. Oh, yeah, you watched the God. sequel. <laughs> the sequel. It was Dracula so bad. 2000. Dracula 2000 was awful, awful, awful. And I saw it in the theater because I was still pumped. In 2000, I've had eight years at that point of loving um the 1992 bram stoker's dracula and i'm like dracula 2000 <laughs> and then i was like eh, it's not the same yeah we'll, we'll get to bram stoker's 1992 oh, francis ford coppola version in a little bit look dracula 3000 got one star yeah but it's got coolio in it <laughs> yeah, no kidding. oh and my god that's out of 5000 imbd it one out of that might be like the lowest star. I mean, the lowest I've you never get that seen many. anything that low in my life. Two point one out of ten on IMPD. I've seen some rotten movies. 
<laughs> rotten movies get like five. Five's like the bottom. We're going to take a quick commercial break to hear from our sponsors, Dwarf Throttle Innovations. Hey, I was looking for a pair of normal insurance policies because my blood hurts. But I guess ghosts are cool too. Thanks for the paranormal insurance, Dwarf Trottle. I mean, maybe I, the theme for Dracula is just that we could also just talk about the masterpiece that is Bram Stoker's Dracula by Francis Ford Coppola. Like, I'm it's a big fan of that movie. You're what? I'm not like a huge fan of that. I thought you loved it. Yeah, he's well. Well, I did pay hundreds of dollars to a Chinese seamstress's shop in China to make Mina's dress from the scene when her walking dress, the green dress, and the scene where she's walking and sees Dracula. See yeah. me. So you're being yeah. sarcastic because <laughs> no, it's, I'm an not. it's it's an okay movie. And I'm just saying, like, I might have made some fan <laughs> some fan videos this weekend <laughs> of matching up of matching up different uh nine inch nail songs to scenes in the movie, so at times right <laughs> for the movie. I don't know. It should also be pointed out that Nate actually did play Nine Inch Nails to Francis Ford Coppola's uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula until some of the cooler scenes matched up and he put it up on YouTube. It's Well, I didn't know that's a private YouTube link just for us and who might also be a fan that I would personally share. Um, yeah, I'm not saying we have I mean, to go public on that. I'm just, it's, it's you spent I mean, a lot of time on that. More than the, it has exactly seven views because I sent it to seven people. Well, I've watched it twice. I don't know uh, if that counts. Well, I went good. to the, I went to the Coppola Vineyard. He has a couple in California and I was out there and I went to his vineyard so I could see props from the movie because they have a bunch sent of pictures. You sent uh, us pictures. Yeah, it was awesome because they have a bunch of his like uh, uh, Oscars and different props for movies. But the best thing was the uh, red Dracula armor that uh, the, the beak armor, wear. the muscle armor. Oh, it's so good! Oh my god, I want that for Halloween so bad, but I know I'll fail. And if you look at people trying to do that in cosplay or whatever, it, it looks so bad. It looks ridiculous. Well, the trick bad. is to not just don't do the helmet at all. Just do the muscle armor and then wear it like a long, stringy black hair wig. But out of all the Dracula movies and plots and vampire, I mean, the plot for this one is so solid because it's it's all about it this reincarnation of me. Well, it does follow the book, but not all of it. I mean like mina's reincarnated of his lost love that's that's new oh wait 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 there's the way there's he a... renounces like christianity and throws a sword into a cross and starts oh bleeding. yeah but it's so good it's so I mean, good that's but that's not in the book ever <laughs> yeah and i i was comparing that and at the end as well you know how he goes back in the church with her they added that love part of it um because they uh in the book 
it ends the same way. He gets stabbed with a Bowie knife or whatever, right? His throat slit and stabbed. But then he imme- immediately turns to Ash, and that's it. They dump the entire special effects budget into costumes. And no one did that. No one did that at the time. And at this point, CG's just coming out. This is the year of Jurassic Park. Yeah. And, or the year before or something. I don't know. But... All of a sudden, like more money is put into better special effects. And here they're like, no, only everything goes into costume, everything. And that's why uh, set design and costume looks so good. And it makes it so much more uh, dreamlike fantasy and kind of more real, just like the Yoda puppet looks way more real than a Yoda CGI. Well, yeah, totally. I mean, also, they, they knew that, though. I mean, it's not that – I mean, they were smart, and they dumped the money into the costuming. But uh, I was also reading that, you know, the, the uh, special effects was his son, right? Or, yeah, it was his son. And they decided that some of their favorite movies had all in-camera effects, and it kind of helped date the, the – it, it helped make the, the whole movie feel a little bit more timeless. Uh, so it was really intentional, not only – it was a cheaper, but it was a really kind of um, bold move because they were like, no, let's, let's just do this old school. It will be cheaper. We can put more money into costumes, but I think they were really into it. Like the whole uh, shadow puppet intro is so good. So good. Like why go through the whole battle and everything like we saw in the Dracula, Dracula untold similar, but like, you know, thousands of CGI guys, it is so much more weird and yeah, it's more it's more like correct. It's more and theatrical think, too, like a like a play. Yeah, and I I think you know they did it on purpose. They I mean they're they're just I mean that's why Coppola is good. I mean Coppola is good, uh, and uh, I think it's a really good. What a great movie! When when the Lucy's turns into a vampire and sprays blood. <laughs> so well, good. yeah, and Gary Gary Oldman. Might be the best actor ever, ever. Yeah. Like, and I, I had a friend, Wes. Uh, he would make me in college, like he had videotapes. He'd be like, "Okay, I'm going to show you my ten favorite Gary Oldman scenes," and then he would have to like sit there and he'd fast forward through the tapes. No, 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 watch him, watch him do this. I mean, he's just so good between the professional. Oh, the and shadow that. scenes too, yeah. Oh, the oh. shadow follows him around which is fantastic. So, you know, you have like, and it, the, the old, old Dracula, you know, before he gets this refreshing. <laughs> talking to The Dracula shadow um, sort of ironically or not ironically foreshadowing things and interacting with characters in a way that the actual uh, Dracula Gary Oldman isn't was not in Bram Stoker's book. That was a Francis Ford Coppola thing. Oh, totally. Absolutely. And I mean, completely visual. Is, yeah, it's all visual. It's like we were talking about Kubrick and The Shining. The scene about it, I think, is when he's taking, which was in the book, when he's taking the carriage ride to the castle. Yeah. Uh, but the, the visually, it wasn't in the book. But when he reaches around to grab him or whatever and pick up his bag or push him into the carriage, like he stretches like 12 feet over to get him. And it's just such a cool camera trick. I mean, this is like you could definitely do like a shot for shot of this movie. Like every frame is particularly good. And it's just so well thought out 
with the exception of the casting of Keanu Reeves. Well, poor Keanu Reeves. Well, you need that to balance out how many good. Think about the actors that are in it. I think I think I was reading that they didn't even really want Keanu Reeves, but the studio just would not relent. They're like, we have to have some kind of like hunk. Wait, how many millions of dollars do you want? Yeah. Oh. We gotta oh. we gotta have a hunk in here, and yeah. they're like. But 1992, that's after Bill and Ted. What do, what year did Speed come out? After a couple this. years later. It was after this. Yeah. So he was just he was just uh, making his way up pop culture in 1992. So they included him in that movie to draw like a more mainstream audience. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. if a studio like it's an investment, right? Like, and they're betting on it. So if a studio is like, oh. How many millions and millions of dollars do you want? Well, I don't think Gary Oldman's going to bring that much money in. You know, Winona Ryder, you know, she could do it. And, uh, well, we need a, a on-screen male performer. Uh, well, we have Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins is not the young heartthrob. Yeah. So yeah, what came out need. first, uh, uh, Beetlejuice or Bram Stoker's Dracula? Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice was way earlier because she was a teenager in that. It came out in the eighties. Also, when did the, oh, this was ninety-two. This is like yeah, this still, is like this is like four years after Beetlejuice, but um, you can still smell the eighties on it. So uh, one thing that's uh, interesting is both both from Bram Stoker's perspective and Francis Ford Coppola's is uh, Dracula and Bram Stoker's Dracula isn't like a vampire versus werewolf dracula is a werewolf yeah and when keanu reeves notices he has hair on his palms that's another throwback to the book of werewolves yeah from the from the mid 1800s yeah. and in the movie he turns into a werewolf and, and he violates lucy <laughs> yeah that's true yeah and also... she in and uh uh mina caesar and he and he's embarrassed by it. Dracula is. He's like, "Do not see me," or something like that. Yeah, that's so. Don't see me. And then when he is walking on the street before the scene with the wolf, he goes, "See me, see me now." And then she like can see him all of a sudden. Yeah, none of which that, is an interesting but... power of Dracula, and I couldn't find that in the book, but I also didn't reread it. In the hour before our podcast, I was skimming pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read it since high school. I liked it, um, but I read it at the same time as Frankenstein, and I I think I liked Mary Shelley's Frankenstein better than Dracula, as far as classic nineteenth century books. Well, also, that was almost a hundred years earlier. Hundred years before, I I really thought they were the same time, which goes to show you why Frankenstein's so good. I mean, uh, well, that was all Benjamin Franklin was alive. <laughs> like, yeah. There were experiments with electricity and stuff, and his experiments with electricity were actually what part of what led to the Frankenstein. That and the fact the volcano went off and they're trapped in a snowstorm, Mary Shelby was, yeah. and they were poor in June, like a giant two foot snowstorm. And so they wrote uh, scary stories. And Frankenstein came out of it, but they were, the problem with Dracula, they were doing lots of drugs and having an orgy. But they they did also have a, a writing contest. <laughs> it was 1816, right? Like, yep. what else are you gonna do? Rich so, yeah, I looked up what else was going on in, in in 1897 when Bram Stoker wrote Dracula. 
I was like, what? Like, because a, a, a question that Chris has a lot of time is, what is the cultural zeitgeist going around that would produce sure. this? Yeah. So just looking around, uh, Thomas Edison in 1897, that same year, had uh, gotten a patent for the, the kinetoscope, which led to the creation of the movie projector. Well, see, that's what's interesting about this and my zeitgeist take on it is that it actually was a little ahead of its time. And that's why it wasn't super popular when it came out in 1897. Like the first Dracula, all that stuff, it was the cinema. It was the image that the first thing it did was lock into Dracula. So like Dracula needed to be seen and not just read about. Which is maybe There's another different. part of that, and that's uh, horror movies. <clears throat> and my one of my history classes in college was the history of silent film. Mm-hmm. And horror movies were never popular until sound came out. Yeah, and it's something about needing sound and horror because things aren't scary just looking at them. But yeah, as soon as you add sound, it's, it's the experience of the movie that's scary. It's like being able to project yourself into a psychological space and. <laughs> Maybe it's well, you can't say sound. you can't go also, boo, boo. All of a sudden, you know the jump out boo. If somebody's playing a piano, like, <laughs> like no, like yeah, it's scary. a buildup. That's the buildup. Yeah. And I'll say one thing about the, the Bram Stoker's Dracula. Even the novel is a lot of it's the aesthetic and the buildup. It's this like air of suspense, and it can't be recreated until you can yeah like you said you can hear like a slow buildup of sound or music or you're expecting somebody to jump out and say boo and then it doesn't happen and then a second later it does so that like the timing's off so one of the, a very uh important college class that i took when i was an undergraduate back in like 1999 or 2000 or whatever uh was this thing called american horror and it was just a cinema class and well, we had to read literature. It technically was a literature credit where we would read horror, classic horror, contemporary horror, and then we'd watch movies and then we'd talk about like the cultural zeitgeist that led to it. And and the when when the class was talking about vampires, I mean, and this is kind of like an easy one. Vampires are an easy one, just like zombies are kind of an easy one. But like vampires were always kind of about sexual repression, which is one reason why I think maybe the best vampire movies really tap into it. So like like tap into cultural liberation was kind of taking place. Uh, when did vampires get popular again? And, and you, I'm looking at like the Twilight era. They really excelled because they tapped into like teenage like frustration and then there was um true blood they they kind of had a spin on it because it was it was kind of tapping into i think um homosexuality i mean like the successful vampire tropes usually tie into it you well, know de- death death and sex right like... right yeah exactly and like the idea of, of like youth and being young forever and transmutation and change being connected and vampires are always kind of sexual and they have psychic powers that well, they're playing on like and that's also a weakness that's a weakness people are playing they're playing on yeah. and that was something i was the small amount of research i did uh for the episode was looking at uh renfield and yeah. those I, in the book when i was flipping through the book i read mostly um, Doctor, what's his name? Crap. Um, 
the the doctor and the asylum and this um but uh <laughs> renfield who in this movie is played by of course Thanks. tom um, whites who is freaking awesome as renfield but he goes on and on in the book like in the the journal entries or whatever and it's um really interesting because he goes into like why do you want flies or whatever and he's like well i i want the life like you don't want their souls what would i do with the soul i can't do anything with the soul i need a life you know it's it's really interesting yeah yeah and renfield had a much bigger um role in the book i feel i mean he he's well in- there are more pages i i mean and that's it's all journal entries and that's what makes it a little boring it's just creepy i mean for a book in 1890 written so. in 1897 it can definitely creep me out right now like if you're sitting in your cabin in the woods chris reading bram stoker's dracula by yourself yeah. you're gonna get creeped out you know yeah. it's definitely creepy and now a quick word from our sponsors The quest for the grail is not about archaeology. It is the race against evil. Another option, of course, is to forget about the quest and go buy paranormal insurance at DorfU.com. So I'm trying to think like I'm I'm trying to think of like the conceptual framing of, of vampires and sex, but you know, I really like the Blade series. <laughs> like, it's a good vampire series, but sex is not I, part of it. So it's it, it it's it's like they're doing something different with that one, and it worked. And I'm not that's the that's like the uh, the itch that doesn't that makes me think there's something more going on. Yeah, well, Chris Christopherson, you know, tamps that out of any movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But maybe, maybe it was just a, a refreshing spin. Like we were ready for Blade when it came out. Maybe because it's not about vampires, it's about this like Daywalker half vampire that it kind of turns into something else. Like it, well, the half vampire is a different set of lore that's not really. I feel like exactly like maybe maybe that can talk about race or <laughs> that can talk about class or something in a different way because that one could be about class. There's a lot of those vampires are rich, rich assholes. <laughs> and, uh, you, they're you, like the entitled, <clears throat> entitled rich white kids of the late nineties. Right. You know why? So Keanu Reeves nowadays has to be 50 by now. Right. Like yeah, easily, easily. So he's been fifties. There's not a gray hair on his head and I guarantee he's going to dye that stuff forever. Because in 1992, in his 20s, his hair was bleached gray. <laughs> look good. <laughs> for the uh, for the classic movie Bram Stoker's Dracula by Francis Ford Coppola, they definitely tried to age him, and it did not work. It just made him look stupid. <laughs> Which I would yeah. like to think is actually what they were trying to do was just make Keanu Reeves look stupid. <laughs> well, he got his hair got scared white, right? Yeah, he after he left the like castle, it turned white. Like a visco girl. <laughs> <laughs> well done, mate. <laughs> Good reference. Bram Stoker's Dracula was written in 1897, and it was awesome, but it took almost 100 years for it to come to somebody like uh, both a technology and film 
an artist special trait. effects and then you find somebody that like uh francis ford coppola who's inspired to make a, a film adaptation as accurate and as uh entertaining as the the 1992 version that he made i mean i don't i don't know what's what lesson is there to be learned that it's that's <laughs> what the <laughs> the story was written i don't know and I then it the takes a hundred years for somebody the, to express it in a way for everybody to appreciate no, or it, no i i think people did appreciate it they appreciated it more as soon as they could see it and i think it's one of those things that that dracula just needed to be visualized because there's a lot of like very quintessential imagery associated with dracula that i think was necessary and i think people who were really into the book probably could get to that imagery but when you have like very kind of visionary filmmakers and that, that's maybe including nosferatu or uh any number of the original movies but like i would say culminating with coppola's version um it just kind of goes to show that uh, this particular theme just really jumps off the page and onto the screen, or it really needs the screen to become its true self, you know, to, to, to get the quickening it needed to be seen. Yeah. And other, I mean, there's other a... stories get worse when you see them. Some stories work better, maybe just through spoken word or, through reading. I mean, I would say that happens with a lot of horror that I, or scary stuff that I read about as soon as it's visualized, it's just trash. So it's not everything, um, but something. Well, sure. I, th I think that uh, Dracula fed into a lot of, you know, what later becomes Lovecraft. And then after Dracula, you have Lovecraft who takes it to like level 12. Yeah, well, Lovecraft right? is like, I'm glad you brought Lovecraft up because it's a perfect example of what I was just saying in that I don't like the visualizations of Lovecraft. Lovecraft is yeah. spectacular on paper. Like, um, I mean, problematic as well, but like... No, it's imagery... hard to put into visualization, and that that's what made me think about it when you were saying that, like... Yeah, totally. You know, it's... Like, you <laughs> or Dra Dracula better visually, maybe... You know, and, and maybe it's just the writing style that he had and or Bram Stoker had and a um, hundred years ago or 120 years ago, but uh, no, in journals and past tense. I think the difference is with Dracula, it's it's very character based and it's all about this very specific individual. And with Lovecraft, it's about cosmic horror. And I think cosmic horror just can't be visualized because yeah, the whole that's in your mind. Of, it's all yeah, in your mind, Chris. Because you can't, the whole point is it's scary because you can't imagine it. It's like the, so I just watched that movie, uh, was it a, a Color Out of Space? The one with Nicolas Cage? Yeah, the one with Nicolas Cage that just came out, The Color Out of Space. And, was and that it, good? No, it was terrible. Oh. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. It, After it was, Mandy, I got so excited for everything. It was not, no, Mandy is great. This is not, this but the whole point of A Color Out of Space, which is based on a Lovecraft short story, is the idea that it's a color that you can't imagine. It was, and it was, that's the scary thing about the whole story is like, oh, well, there's this color that's starting to show up. And I can't describe it because it's a color the human has never seen before. Humans have never seen this color before because Lovecraft is about imagining the unimaginable. And that's something that can't be visualized. Meanwhile, 
Dracula can be visualized. In fact, he can be visualized really well, and that's maybe one reason why he does so well in movies. <laughs> Trans he he turned into an icon pretty pretty readily. Right? Like Dracula, Frankenstein, the mummy. There's a reason why they were like the first main hits, and it's because they were so archetypical, right? Like they they could be recognized by a you could have a popsicle in their shape and you recognize it, right? It's not like, oh, well, I guess you could maybe the zeitgeist it. of yeah. American culture anyway. Yeah. Or world culture. Um, well, so if if Dracula ran for office in twenty twenty, could he nab the presidency? Uh well yeah, he's got the power of hypnosis and mesmerism, so I imagine he could do it. Yeah, it'd be pretty easy for him. And he's got uh, a ton of money too, so he could buy whatever advertisement he needed. Plus the bar I think he could, pretty low, so like he could... <laughs> <laughs> he could rock he could rock the debates. I just want to see <laughs> like Gary Oldman as Dracula <laughs> debating that's so, like the third candidate in the on the vampire card. <laughs> like, yeah, if there. it was a if it was a question he didn't like, he could just like wrinkle his nose and hiss and then just sort of hide <laughs> in the shadows or like crawl on the wall and or like his eyes would glow red and everybody would be like yes thank you for your answer there'd be three debates and each one it's like the first debate it's Gary Oldman as old vampire <laughs> and then the <laughs> second one it's young vampire and the third one he's monster vampire <laughs> and then I bet he, he would win he'd get a lot of votes anyway so I um I wasn't able to think of a a, uh, a, a Dracula joke but I did think of a a vampire joke. All right. All right. So there's this guy that owned a van uh, car lot, and he sold vans his whole life. He was successful at it. Minivans, work vans, family vans, whatever. And so he died, and in his legacy, they couldn't just sell the vans to anybody, so they, they stacked them all up. And they took his body and they put it in the very top one and they set the whole stack on fire. And when I went to the funeral and I saw the whole thing stacked up and lit on fire with him on it, I ran home and I grabbed a cross and I put on a necklace of garlic because I'm afraid of vampires. Vampire. <laughs> vampire. It was a vampire. <laughs> uh, uh, uh.